um, for good or for ill, how God deals with the preacher is usually how you get preached to, okay? (laughs) And during this last year, um, I know since the COVID thing, I saw two general sets of people. One had to stay home, be isolated, figure out ways of living life in small spaces, isolated, distant. And then there were those who had to go out. And in our household, we had both. My wife pretty much was isolated for a year, had to pretty much stay home. She was able to do a lot of things online. I think she's very educated online now, so if you have any questions. (laughs) Um, And me, I run a recovery home in Framingham. So I had to go out for the, literally for the first two and a half months of the COVID crisis, I was going to work six days a week. And some of those were 12 hour days. So just to cover, because some of my staff just did, some of them quit. One of them got fired because he wasn't going to do anything. He was just frozen with fear. And so these things happen and the pandemic was real. It affected our, our work, what we do and all that, but God saw us through and brought us through and and we're doing fine now and we praise the Lord for that. But one of the lessons that I believe the Lord was showing me is that when you can't do anything else, when you're at a loss of what to do, praise the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, praise be to God because he is so good to us, even when we don't think so, even when we don't realize it. And I'm hoping today that as I share from the word of God, it might be instructive to you, and, and the Spirit of God might take what I'm sharing and make it real to you. So you, I don't know how else to put it. You get a handle on it. You know what I mean? Have you ever been around something that says, man, if I just had a handle on this, I could, I could wield this thing. I'm hoping to put some handles today. So let's, again, turn to the scripture we read before, New, um, pardon me, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. Now, to give you a little background here about Nehemiah, is the people were sent in exile. The Jewish people had disobeyed God. They had idolatry that was rampant among themselves, and it was going on for generation after generation. God was patient with them. Please get right with me. You, need, you know, he sent prophets, and, and, and Jeremiah the prophet rose up and said, okay, that's it. You're going to go into exile for 70 years the temple's going to be destroyed. It's going to be overrun. You know, God has a way of warning us about things, that sometimes the difficulty will come, and God is trying to get our attention, especially for those who don't know the Lord, even but for those who, of us who do. Maybe our love has grown a little cold. Maybe we're not as on fire for God as we used to be. Maybe it's not as fresh. And, you know, can I share something with you? God is infinite. God will never, if, if you seek the Lord, you'll, you'll never be bored. <laughs> There's no boredom. Now, you might be bored with my preaching. You might be bored with me, but you will not be bored with God. If you're bored with God, you're not worshiping God because <laughs> he is all in all. He is infinite. He is great. He's wonderful. And in Nehemiah, what had happened is that the temple had been rebuilt But the walls, the protection around the city and and the walls were broken down. And Nehemiah caught word of this. And he was one of the emperors, the emperor of the Medes and the Persians. He was one of his counselors, as it were, one of his high ups, the the wine bibber or whatever. And he was very discouraged. He was heartbroken over it. And through that, God arranged through many different things that Nehemiah was sent 
He was an incredible administrator. He was sent. You know, God can use administrators. You know that? There's actually a gift of administration, you know? Um, in other words, there are bureaucrats that are anointed of the Lord, <laughs> believe it or not. Now, you may not have run into any of them yet, but they are there. And he was one of them. And he saw the temple, re- the walls around the temple rebuilt. So it's rebuilt. So the temple is, is back in order. The walls are back being rebuilt. But you know what? It's been years and years and years since the people heard the word of the Lord. And so Ezra comes out, and he probably was reading from the book of the law, the first five books in your Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy. He's probably reading either the entirety of it or portions of it. Now, as Ezra would read it, the Levites, this was the priestly tribe. They were the ones that didn't have any land inheritance, but God was their inheritance. They would then explain it. How many of you know that sometimes when you read the Bible, you need it explained to you a little bit? Amen. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is 66 books, and it's thousands of years old. The newest part of the Bible is about 2,000 years old. And then there's parts that are about a couple thousand years older than that. Okay? So it's old, and it's ancient. And it's either in Aramaic, Hebrew, and then it was translated early on into Greek. You know, let me just share this. Jesus did not speak Greek to his disciples. <laughs> he probably spoke Aramaic, okay, and probably portions of Hebrew. And, and you can see that, actually, if you read the Gospels. But they translated that into Greek because that was the common language. It would be like if a Jew came to America to preach the gospel, he would speak to us in English. <laughs> if he spoke to us in Hebrew, it would be very difficult for us to understand what in the world's going on. Well, what's this babbler saying, you know? So the word of God then gets read, and then the Levites explain it. Well, this means this. You are not to do this and this and this and this and this on the Sabbath day. You are not to covet that, or you're not to do that. And as the people understand what's being said to them, they realize our failure toward God is greater than we thought it was. We have hurt God. We have broken God's heart. He gave us these wonderful commands that we would love one another, that we would love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. These were good things. And what have we done? We've trashed his commands. And they get sad. They get bitterly sad. And they begin to weep. And they're groaning. And here they are. Ezra's reading the Bible and and the law. and, And the Levites are explaining. And the people are weeping. And they're just crying. They say, oh, a curse is on us. A curse is on us. And then they get rebuked for weeping. And this is where we take up the passage. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people and said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord, holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy, and do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. You know, 
before I came to faith in Christ and way what happens to people before they come to faith in Christ, they first have to see that they need Christ. And that's why the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts or convinces us of sin, that I'm a sinner. And now I was an agnostic atheist who actually would debate with people about the existence of God in my high school, either in the classroom or the lunchroom or wherever we'd have discussions. And this is back in the 70s when we were all so smart. That generate we were brilliant. We knew everything. We knew better than our parents and our grandparents. We, we were just so smart. And so here I am debating this fool, as it were, <laughs> just saying all these things. And the Holy Spirit began convincing me that I was a sinner, that there was something wrong about me, that I was not basically a good person, but I had evil in my heart. I was basically, if I could put it succinctly, I was basically a selfish person. Even when I tried to look as if I was unselfish, it was so people could do this, pat me on the back. What a nice guy. Look at him. He's such a nice guy. So even the good I did, I did it for selfish reasons so that people would approve me or feel good about me. I began realizing I wasn't, you know, and says, well, I don't even believe in God. So I don't even, I'm not even supposed to believe in sin, but here I am being convinced that I'm a sinner. And I had a teacher who was instructing me in Eastern meditation, and I do all these home and meditations and all this, and a lot of effort and very little or no result. And one night on March 1st, 1975, it was literally my 18th birthday. One night, I got on my knees beside the bed with the family I was staying with. I wasn't at home. We had a very dysfunctional family. And I said, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're real, take over my life because I've made a mess of things. And this, it was like somebody, one person put it, liquid love. It's like somebody took a bucket of liquid love and just put it all over me. And I felt this peace and joy and love, all the shame and guilt and thinking I was a bad person left. And I thought, but I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything good to get this. I just cried out to him for his mercy and his grace. And I didn't even know those words, by the way, so I didn't say that. I had this picture of Jesus, as it were, in my mind. Of I couldn't quite see his face, but there was like a glory around him. And his arms were outstretched. And it's as if he was saying to me, David, come unto me if you are weary and heavy laden. And I knew in an instant... I have to make a choice. But when I saw him, his glory, his goodness, I thought, who wouldn't come to him? (laughs) Of course I'm going to come to him. And I gave my heart to him, and then I was instructed that week what repentance was, and I did that. And I, you know, all this, it's like, it's like I was in darkness. It was like I was in night. It was like I was in death, and I came to light, to mourning, gilding the sky, Jesus Christ being praised. All these things, there was a joy in my heart. It changed. You see, what the Israelites needed to know when they were hearing the word of the law and how they have broken it is that our God tells us the truth about ourselves. Why? Because he delights in mercy. When we realize we've been running our own show that we're basically selfish and we, we can't change ourselves and we come to God, he can change us. And he delights in changing us. Do you know what the Bible says? 
the Bible says that when there's one sinner, the worst of sinners, when there's one sinner who repents, the angels in heaven glory. You know why they do that? Because they see that sinner. Look, oh, that awful guy. He wants to talk to God. Oh, my goodness. And he cries out and he says, Jesus, save me. And all the angels go and they look and they see a smile on the father's face. They say, God is happy. And then they just go hog wild. Pardon the expression. Uh, maybe calf wild because that's an unclean. <laughs> they just are full of joy because why? God is happy. He delights in mercy. I run a recovery program. This is for people with drug abuse and alcohol substance and brokenness and all this, that, and the other. Why do you do that? Because there's hope in the gospel. Because Jesus can take our worst mistakes and do great things. Do you know what people have the harder time coming to God? It's not the broken and the battered. It's the ones that we're so smart. We're in the smartest state of the union. Every year, our public schools outperform every other school. We've got Harvard and MIT. We've got the world coming here to be educated. Really? Yeah, the world is in such good shape because of the people that have graduated your institutions and are running things now. Hello? (laughs) Or ouch? (laughs) You know what we need? We need God. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need the living one who would change and make all things new in our lives. Praise is a way of adoring God, of loving God. It is an expression of love. See, God doesn't want empty praise. He doesn't want to say, well, you said praise you, so here I go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the food. Thank you for this. He doesn't want rote. Do you think that pleases God? Would it please you? If one of your children came to you and says, oh, mom, dad, grandma, grandma, uh, thanks for the Christmas presents. Wow. I wish it was blue and not pink, but whatever. (laughs) But what what happens when when we're truly thankful? It comes from a motive of love. Because it looks beyond just that mere gift that was blue or pink or whatever. And it says, look at the heart of the one who gave it. How many of you have children or had children grazed up and they brought home their scribbles from school and says, here, mom, this is for you. And thinking, well, what is it to me? Uh, you got it upside down. Oh, <laughs> and he said, you're. You put it on the refrigerator. You want to look at that thing. (laughs) Why? Because it came from a heart of love. Because it was like, yes, you know, I don't think God is so impressed with my words, my alliterations when I pray or anything like that. But he is impressed when it comes from a heart of love. When I'm loving God, when I'm loving the Lord. Adoration as an expression of love for the works of what God has done in our lives and reflecting on his person or character because as we see this, we think, what kind of God is God that he would send his only son to die for me on a cross? It's not just that that's such a wonderful act of love. It is. It's what kind of God is that that would do that? And he didn't wait until I got cleaned up and said, okay, Dave, now that you've got cleaned up enough, let me introduce you to Jesus. 
He said, while you were lost in our sins and our troubles, when we were out. So you know what? Those people you're praying for, whether they're loved ones or neighbors or whoever, God loves them more than you do. (laughs) So keep praying for them and pray with faith. Show your love of God and start praising the Lord for the love of God. Sometimes this joy of praise is put with music. We have one section in our whole Bible called Psalms, 150 chapters. You could say 150 songs. And there's a lot more in the scriptures than just the ones in the book of Psalms. Prophet Isaiah, it almost seemed like every five or six chapters, he had to come out with a song of praise. It's in, it's in the, the history. It's in the, it's in the book of the law. And they sang the song of Moses. I mean, there's... Why? Because... We were made in his image. We're image bearers. And when there's this union, there's this communion between us and God, it results in glory and it brings forth praise. We can't help it. (laughs) God is so good. Let's turn in Deuteronomy. You know, to sort of emphasize that God doesn't want just dutiful, Deuteronomy chapter 28, God doesn't want our duty He doesn't want our obedience out of rote. Oh, well, I'll obey you, God. I'm not happy about it, but I'll obey you. I'll I'll do what you said. Really don't like it. You know, you told me not to do this and to do this. Okay. What does that show? That shows an impenitent heart. Shows a hard heart. I shared this with the men at the bridge house. I'll share it with you. There was a mother. She had two children. One of the children was Down syndrome. Very... But, but just an adorable kid. <laughs> he just was so full of love and joy, just, just like that. Another child was actually probably maybe even a little above normal, very sharp. And they were up, and he says, now, boys, and remember, you need to clean your room and make your beds. Well, the normal kid, they shared a room. Okay, Mom. So he goes back there, and he makes the bed, and it's nice and crisp and nice. The other boy, he goes, oh, I get to make a bed for Mama. He goes in there, and he makes his bed, and there's wrinkles in it, and the pillow is sort of half on and half off and all that. Mom comes in, and she sees the room. And when she looks at the boy who's got, like, marine corners, he's just perfectly straight, there's a tear of sadness in her heart because he didn't do it out of love. He did it because he had to or else he wouldn't be able to go out and play with his friends. But as she looks at the other bed, which is a bit messy, but she could see the effort that was, there was a tear of joy because she saw that son did it because he loves me, because we have a relationship. Do you think God is any different? You can multiply that a million times. When we give our scribbles to God, and let me put it this way, folks, our best work is scribbles to God, okay? I mean, he's so perfect. He's got, he's got the holy seraphim and cherubim worshiping him 24 hours a day. But when he sees our little scribbles on our pages and our attempts of worshiping him, when it comes from a heart of love, it brings joy to the Father's heart. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Deuteronomy, yeah, I'm finally gonna get back to it. 28, <laughs> verse 45. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is, this is, you might miss this if you don't listen carefully. So he sets the people up. This is the Mount of Blessing. This is the Mount of Curse. He's saying, if you want to have a relationship with me and love me and obey me, these are the blessings that will come on you. If you want to be rebellious and always scoff at what I'm trying to show you to do and always resisting, these are the curses that will happen to you. And listen to what he says. 
verse 45. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, nakedness, lacking everything. He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. When we're doing something for the Lord, if it's out of love, you know what's going to accompany it? Joy. If Jesus says, you're the janitor who's going to clean toilets for me, you'll do it with joy. Praise the Lord. I get the clean toilets for Jesus. Hallelujah. And you can be the most expert neurosurgeon in the world. And God says, I want you to do this for me. Well, yeah, but I'm going to take all the credit. I had to work and toil and learn. I had to go to med school and all the... That person is wishing for curse to come upon them. When we recognize the gifts are from God and we return them to God with our obedience and love, and it comes forth in praise. It comes forth in praise. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 17 for our main text. I promise to get you out of here at least by 2 (laughs) o'clock. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> says, well, Dave, you could be here at 2 o'clock, but I'm not. <laughs> okay, Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 17, I'm sorry. Luke 17, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was pray- passing along, that's Jesus, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, He said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Thank you, Jesus, he sang. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, for he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Imagine that. You have a skin disease. We don't actually know if it's modern leprosy or whatever, but there's a skin disease. And it's such that you have to be quarantined from the rest of the society. Now, you can be around other people with leprosy, but so think about I'm sorry, mom and dad, I've got to leave. The priest, I've got leprosy. And they give you a bundle of food, and maybe they even drop off food every once in a while to feed you. And then days become months, months become years, and the food's no longer there, and you have to scrounge around for it and figure it out. And everywhere you go, you have to keep your distance. And you're to even announce yourself, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that kind of life? away from mom and dad, wife, husband, children, secluded. And there's these 10 lepers. How many of you know when you got leprosy, it doesn't matter if you're from Italy or you're from Africa, you just got leprosy. There's certain society that you join. 
And it's not that exclusive, except that you have to have leprosy. Well, one of them is a Samaritan. There's nine Jews, we're going to assume. And they say, well, we heard about this Jesus. Some say he's Mashiach, he's Messiah. Maybe. And they hear that he's coming along. This is the closest opportunity they're going to have. And they come running down the hill, hill and they're, they're still keeping their distance. They're saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, show, all he says is, show yourself to the priest. Now, that was actually part of the law. If you're reading the law, if you had a skin disease and you had to be quarantined with leprosy, you had to show yourself to the priest so the priest would examine you and then wait a certain amount of time, examine you again. And if you were clean, you got to go home. Now, can you imagine? Jesus says the command and they start going toward Jerusalem because that's where the priest is going to be. And as they're going, that finger that was missing, it's there. My, there's flesh tone. My skin is returning. They're just amazed at what's going on in their mind. I'm going to get back and say hi to mom and dad. I'm going to get back to my family. I'm going to get back to my town and my friends, my neighbors. And they're all thinking that. But one of them, a Samaritan, he's not even really a believer. He's sort of on the outskirts. He's thinking to himself, who did this? I mean, this is great that I'm healed, but I need to return thanks to the one who did this. And he comes back at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? Weren't there 10 cleansed? There's just one who's come back. He says, your faith has made you well. You know, all 10 of them were seeking a healing. One of them came back to seek the healer. Don't just seek salvation. Seek the Savior. Don't just seek the blessings of God. Seek the blesser. Seek God. See, God knows our hearts. So praise should be adoration, should be love. Praise should be from that heart. If you're praising the Lord and you're not loving him, that praise is empty praise. It's okay. Yeah, this, those are words. I see, I see your lips moving, you know. But when it's praise from a heart of love because we love God, whew, heaven is rejoicing with us. You could be the only one in your family. You could be the only one on your block. You could be the only one that's doing it. But when you get before the Lord and you start praising him from a heart of love, the heavens are open. Things begin to happen. And that brings me to my second point. And that deals with praise can also be faith. That praise can be armor. Armor. Now, how many of you know what armor is? Now, I'm not talking about the underwear company. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about when you're going to war. <clears throat> you want armor on, right? I don't know if you know this, probably you do, but when you become a Christian, whew, battles begin to take place. You've got the flesh, the world, and the devil, your enemies. You've got the word, the spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father on your side. You, you can win, there's no doubt about it, but one of the ways is you need to exercise faith. 
putting on the armor of God. And one of the ways of exercising your faith is through praise. Anything of value that takes place in our life is wrought by God. Everything else is temporal. My education is temporal. God's not impressed with the letters after my name or the lack thereof. (laughs) He is impressed with a heart that's going after him. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We are at war. How many of you know that? The enemy of, of humankind, the devil hates people because they're image bearers. They're made in the image of God. Believe it or not, you are made in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. Now, it's tarnished and hurt because of the fall. You're still image bearer. And he does war against humanity. When you see all the destruction there is in the world, when you see all the evil that's there, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life, even a more abundant life. So we are at war. But it's not with people. It's with the unseen forces of evil. The Bible calls them principalities, rulers, world forces of darkness. They're not in the corporal realm. It's not something you see There are spirits. I believe there's angels and devils and all kinds of hierarchies going in there. I don't want to go into any of that because I don't think it's fruitful and it could get us in the error. But all I know is that there's another realm. It's a spiritual realm. And things happen there. And by praying in faith, by praising God in faith, we're able to see mountains be moved. The word says that God inhabits or is enthroned upon the praises of his people. If you begin to feel like there's some evil presence or something bad's happening, start praising the Lord. What is the one word that's the same in all languages and all believers can say it? Does anyone know what it is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yah, God, Hala, praise. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You, you can be in China and you don't know anybody. Man, are there any believers around here? I don't know any Chinese. Just start saying hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. You're in Uganda. Well, they somewhat know English in Uganda, but okay, someplace. Just say hallelujah. But I'm, I'm being a little silly and a little facetious, but what I'm saying is that there is spiritual warfare going on, and praise can be a weapon in that spiritual warfare. Let's go to Second Chronicles Some of you might have been thinking about this when I said that. If so, well, you're pretty sharp with the Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want us to look at verse 15. So to give you a little background, there were three nations that came against Judah. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. There were three nations coming against Judah. Judah was like a half nation. They weren't even all of Israel. They were just the half nation. And even at that, they were probably the smaller half because you've got 10 tribes up there. You've got one and a half tribes, so to speak, down there. So you've got this small force and these three armies are coming against them. And instead of relying on the arm of the flesh, well, let me see, how many tanks do we have? Or how many arrows? You know, they didn't have tanks back then. Uh, How many arrows do we have? How many warriors do we have? Instead of doing that, he realizes there's no way we're going to win this battle. We're going to lose it if we try to look at the arm of the flesh. So he calls out to the Lord. He prays to God and listen to the word of the Lord in verse 15. 
And he said, the prophet, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Says the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Sometimes you need to say that to yourself. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. When you're going through trials, when things are going tough, when things look like they're helter-skelter, ask the Lord to take care of that. Call upon him and then say the battle is the Lord's. Now let's go down to verse 20. This might be very interesting, their war tactics. So how's Israel going to win it? Is he going to make them all like Samson, just Superman or whatever? It says in verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil, their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berecha, which means blessing, for, they, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Berecha to this day. Blessing or bending the knee. When you bend the knee toward God, you get blessing. (laughs) When you humble yourself to the Lord, when you say, God, you're in charge of this. I'm not in charge of this. You're in charge of my life. What do you want me to do? Oh, boy, you're just, you're ripe for blessing. You're ready to be blessed of God. Isn't that an interesting army strategy? Got these three armies against me. What are we going to do? Let's get the choir out, and they're going to start singing praises. Can you imagine what would happen if modern warfare? My goodness, we're going to blow these people to bitsies, you know? But it says, but the Lord, they didn't have to fight for themselves. This is, thank you, God, you're in charge of it all. You know, I, I could just think, what are these people doing up there with festal robes, and they're raising their hands to the heaven and praising the Lord, and some of them are dancing, and some of them are happy, and what's going on here? They think, well, they must not be the Jews because the Jews would be just discouraged and depressed. I know it must be those over there. And then they go and they fight them. And then they say, no, it must be those over there. And and they're all destroyed. And it took them three days for the blessings. Now, did God kill them? No, they killed one another. Why? Because they were in rebellion to God. They did not love God. They did not want to do things God's way. But he had a people who did. And they said, okay, King Jehoshaphat, we'll follow your lead. I mean, quite frankly, some of them might have thought, well, what do we got to lose? (laughs) Some of them might have been just resigned, you know, that New England resignation, you know. (laughs) Well, what do we have to lose? We might as well do this, you know. Or some of them says, you know what, let's see what God's going to do. Let's give God a chance. Who would have thought if we give God a chance what he can do? And they did. 
So praise can be a piece of armor that releases your faith. It shows what you're trusting. It shows what you're relying on. It shows where your heart is at. It can be love and it can be faith. So we need to check our heart. Do we love God? Do we trust him? Do we really, really trust him? Let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians for our last portion. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Praise can also be the expression of hope, an attitude of hope. How many of you know sometimes when you've prayed for something, you don't see the answer right away, but you can hope in God. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your, your, your ability to submit to God in any circumstance, your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. I'm losing this thing. <laughs> be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God shall guard garrison. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there may be any Yeah, I've, I've said that a few times, okay? Um, I'm just saying, though, that praise can also be an expression of hope. It, it could be the attitude of your life when you praise the Lord. One of the things that I chose to do during this time of COVID is I sat in front of the tube and watched CNN 24 hours a day. No. <laughs> Or I sat in front of Fox and watched that 24 hours a day. No. (laughs) You know what I did? I thought, you know what? Last time I checked, President Trump never called me for advice on what to do with the country. And now that we have another president in there, Biden, he hasn't called me yet either. So you know what? There's really nothing on the political realm that I'm going to be able to do that much about except pray and praise the Lord and trust him. So... And you might not agree with me, and that's fine. You don't always have to agree with me. Just agree with the word of God. But so what I chose to do is I turned that off. And on my way to work, I would listen to worship music. Or sometimes I would just shut it off and pray. Sometimes if you looked at me in the car, there were tears coming down my face as I'm praising the Lord and just so in love with God. Just thank you, God, what you've done. You've done this wonderful thing. I'm going to share with you a little testimony. And this happened actually... um, in Worcester at the stop and shop. We had moved to Worcester and there was a stop and shop. And in the early times of the COVID thing, to help us older folks, I know some of you are looking at me, you're not that old, Dave. Well, I'm over 60, okay? And they said, so what you can do at stop and shop is you can come at six o'clock in the morning. So bless their hearts. So I'm going to get, so I do that. I get up and I'm thinking, well, you know, there's probably not many people there. And so I arrive and it's about 6.10, The parking lot is full. I mean, full. And you go in there, and it's like people like this. You know, I mean, it's just, and I'm thinking, hmm, is this really wise in a pandemic? (laughs) But we're all over 60, so we're all polite. You don't have anyone crashing into your cart and saying, I want that, you know, and all that. I mean, so we're, we're like 60, you know, and over. 
And so we're all there, and I load up my cart, you know, and I'm getting it, and I says, well, well, we got here, and all this, that, and the other, and the bill's really big because I'm packing things away and thinking, well, we just don't know what's going to happen. And as I'm going in the cart, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about things, as I start putting my thing on the little conveyor belt for the cashier, the cashier's working. She seems like a nice lady. Another lady, there's the bagger, maybe not quite so nice. And then there's another lady. Apparently, she works at Stop and Shop. And she goes up to the lady and she says out loud, you know, Jesus is going to take care of us. We don't have anything to worry about. And then she said, Psalm 91. And then I said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most, I will abide in the shadow. Psalm 91. I began quoting Psalm 91. And then we all had a big smile. It's like God ordained that we all would be encouraged from one another for that moment in time at Stop and Shop at 6.45 in the morning. And everybody's looking at us like, what? Oh, yeah. These crazy religious people, you know? <laughs> And I'm thinking, it just did my heart so good because I realized God's in charge. If God wants to knock me out using COVID or from the vaccine or what, that's totally his privilege to do so. But me worrying about it isn't going to add one speck to my life or take away one speck from my life. And well, it actually might because worry is not good for you. But I just thought, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And so it was like, and God did that. God I mean, I'll tell you what, on that one word of encouragement, that kept me for about six months. <laughs> I felt, God's in charge. I mean, this isn't exactly the Bible Belt, you know? Massachusetts isn't, you know, known for, oh, look, they all believe in the Bible. <laughs> oh, come on, you know, you've lived here long enough to know this isn't Bible Belt. I, I mean, if I was down south and I said, praise the Lord out loud, I'd, have, I'd expect a few amens from the people, but not up here in Massachusetts, you know? <laughs> God did that. God did that. So brothers and sisters, keep your love warm towards your blessed Savior. It's always time to praise the Lord. We've, we have so much to be thankful for. He's worthy of our adoration and love. He's worthy of us to attack the devil. Every time you praise the Lord with the armor of God on, you're attacking the kingdom of darkness. You're bringing to naught. And you're thinking, oh, but Dave, we're church, we're church is so small. What did Jonathan say to his armor bearer? Is the Lord constrained to save by many or by few? If he can just get a couple people that are going to dare to believe God and pray through, God can do wonders. God can do wonders. There was only 120 gathered on the day of Pentecost praying, but by the end of the day, they had over 3,000 in church. Now, how would you like to see that kind of result? Well, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to pray for it. You need to ask God to move by His Spirit because I, I don't think God has changed. The Bible says He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't say, oh, well, I did that because they were Jewish. And I just really went, well, why didn't you do that with all the Jewish people then? Because God says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Let's stand. We need to fight discouragement and despair. We need to hope in God, and we need to seek the Lord with all of our heart. As our musicians are coming back to lead us in Thou Art Worthy, number 11, let's pray. Oh, Lord God, 
praise can bring so much victory to our lives. It gets our eyes off of ourselves and gets our eyes on the source of all blessing. That is you, on you, Father. Lord, we love you, and we do want to praise you because you are so good. Why wouldn't we want to love you? You gave your only son for us, that we would be your children, and now we're your children, and you love us with an everlasting love. You delight in mercy, and you give us the weapons at our hands, even the weapons of praising the Lord and seeing you bless your people. So, Father, please help us to be praise warriors. We'll praise you because we love you. We praise you because we have faith in you. And we praise you because our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen.